Father, this morning we just come to you. The author, the perfecter, the finisher of our faith. The good work that you began in us. We are absolutely confident. If we actually allow you, you will finish it. If we keep coming to you, you will save us to the uttermost. For that's your word. And you have magnified your word above all your name. And we this morning, from the pulpit here, Lord, we want to lift your word above everything. Everything. The word of God. Christ himself. Be magnified, Lord. Be magnified. There is no throne. There is no ruler. There is no principality higher than you. You are seated on the highest, Lord. And every ruler, every power, every principality is under your feet. It's not just below you. They are under your feet. You extend complete sovereignty over everything that's happening in the universe. Even in our day-to-day lives, Lord. Therefore, we come to you, Father. And we say, Father, speak to us. We don't sit here like Gentiles. We sit before you as your children. As the father speaks to his sons and daughters, speak to us, teach us, and continuously empower and deliver us, O Lord. To that end, we come at this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Last week we had looked at uh, deliverance. We had looked at... I do not have, not COVID, I do not have any disease, okay? Any. <laughs> Communicable or non-communicable, okay? I do not have. So all those who sit in the front can relax. We were looking at deliverance uh, you see, we've been, if you were listening to during these, the months we were shut down and we are on online services, we talked about, uh, it's not like we count, or we can count like that because we are on earth and we are not, uh, like we don't look down from heaven, though spiritually we are seated there, we look up to heaven. So we are level one, Satan's kingdom level two, and God's level three. Okay? So the problem is, believers... Accept the kingdom of heaven, but they often overlook the kingdom of the devil, which is in level two. And that presses down on us if you do not know how to tackle it and walk in the life of Christ. It will press you down. That's, that's a battle of faith. It's called the battle of faith. That's why we looked at the demonic. And one of the first signs Jesus said, when I cast out demons, the finger of God, you know the kingdom of God has come upon you. And in Mark chapter 16, we don't have to turn there, he said, these signs shall follow those who believe. The first thing he said is, they shall cast out demons. This is something that never happened in the first 4,000 years of human history. No prophet, however great he was, whether it was Moses, Elijah, or Elisha, cast a single demon out. But in the new covenant, in the kingdom of God, it is manifested by victory over powers of darkness. Powers of darkness. And we need to know that. 
And we need to exercise that and walk in that on a day-to-day basis. Okay, so today we will look at how do you, we looked at how we have to fight for your deliverance and how do you walk in your deliverance. Let's go to Matthew chapter 17. Look at an incident from Jesus' life during his ministry. It's one of his many, many incidents. And when they had come to the multitude, if you know the background, Jesus had gone with James, Peter, and John up to the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw something which nobody else saw. They saw Jesus in his glory, also limited glory. I don't think the eyes could have uh, handled his glory, but as much their eyes could handle because spectacles were in there those days. He didn't want to blow their eyes away, so he's very kind even when manifesting his glory. Okay, so he showed them, and they are coming down. Meantime, the disciples were left at the at the uh, down by the mountainside, something had happened over there. And this is what they said. When they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an... Uh, this is KJV? NKJV? Yeah. He's an epileptic, which is good. And he suffers severely. Today we would call it Caesars. Okay? He suffer, suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water... We don't have, go down. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall be I with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. You need to realize for this particular situation, the demon had to be expelled before the child could be cured. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So if you look at your, if you, if you have your NIV Bible, you will see this verse is not there. 21 is there. Okay? That's why it's called NIV. Eh? Nearly inspired version. Okay? Not fully, but nearly inspired version. Okay. You'll see, there are a lot of people in the editorial boards of all these, they, they also do Jehoiakim's job. They cut off scripture with their scissors because they bring academics into scripture. Okay? So... See, the old NIVs will still add it in brackets. The new ones take it out completely. So don't buy a new NIV, okay? Honestly, seriously. And Bibles are dangerous these days if you do not know what they edit. So you see here something happening. They come and ask him a question in 19 and 20. Why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't you do it? He said, Because of your unbelief. Because of your unbelief. If you go to Mark chapter 16, the final chapter in the book of Mark, those verses also have been snipped away in NIV by the editors. Okay? One of the first things he does when he comes to his disciples the second time, in verse 14, later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and heart. Unbelief causes hardness of heart. Okay? He rebuked their unbelief. 
And that's a question they are asking. Why couldn't we do? He said, because of your unbelief. And then he compares it to it. He says, if you have faith as small as a, if I were to hold a mustard seed, you cannot even see it. He said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed. So he could move this mountain. So there are two things mentioned here if you look at Jesus. One is faith. The other is unbelief. And one of the first signs of belief, if you look in order in the kingdom of God, is victory over the demonic. Okay? Because they are the ones who will, through different ways, try to bring um, unbelief into our lives. Okay? There are different ways. A believer's life, if you are a believer, it's a lifelong battle. It's a lifelong spiritual battle. We fight all the days of our life. Who do we fight? How do we fight? In 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, tells us this. We know that we are of God. Do you know that you are of God? Of God, born of God. We know we are of God. And the whole world in which we live, this world in which we live, lies under the sway of the wicked one. But can you see any demons around? No, but says the entire thing is controlled by them. The entire thing is controlled by them. The entire system is controlled by them. They operate through human beings, knowingly and unknowingly. They operate. The entire world lies under the sway of the evil one. Yet, in 1 John 5, 4, the same chapter, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. God says, are you born of God? Are you of God? You overcome the world. What does it mean? You overcome the sway of the wicked one. You overcome the ruler of this world. Remember when the ruler of the world came to Jesus, you could find nothing in him. He had overcome him. Then on the cross, he defeated him. Whatever that is born of God overcomes the world and this is our victory that has overcome our world. Overcome the world. What is that? Our faith. And Jesus says, even if you have a Little faith, as small as a mustard seed, that's it. You can win. You don't have to lose. Who told you you have to lose? You don't have to lose. That's why faith is so important. That's why we, at least here, many churches around the world, give, we give prominence to the word of God. Because faith comes from hearing. And hearing from the word of God. You have to listen. Even today. Listen carefully. Come prepared to listen. Prepare your heart. It's like tilling the soil before the sower plants the seedling. Prepare your heart and mind. Prepare your heart and mind to receive the seed of God's word. We need to understand fundamentals of faith, of the kingdom of God. Ephesians 1.3. Jumping into the new covenant. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. If you look at the pattern in the book of Genesis, when God creates earth, okay, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, you have a six-day creation, seventh-day rest, he planted a garden, planted it full of fruit trees and everything, and then he put Adam and Eve there, and just said, take care of it. Everything they needed, was provided in the creation. Everything. 
They just have to maintain it. They didn't have to work to provide for themselves. Everything was already given. Then man was created at the end. New covenant, it's a new creation. If any man is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Everything has already been given. Everything you and I need to live this life victoriously already has been given in Christ Jesus. You appropriate it by faith and faith alone. Everything you and I need. Not everything you and I want. We are living kingdom lives. We are not living in this world. We are in this world. We are not of this world. We are living for the king and we are living a kingdom life out. And everything you and I need for the kingdom life is not will be given. Is already given. God's order has never changed. The old creation and in the new creation, it is the same way. And finally, when you come to the new creation, Revelation 21, everything is already done there too. Even the house you and I are going to stay is already built. Nobody is going to go there and look for a contractor. It is done. It is done. That's how God operates. That's how God operates. And you and I have to believe. And the only way we will believe is when we hear, read, look into the word of God and access it by faith. The problem is, most of the time we are fighting for the things which are already given. Instead of fighting for the things that need to be won. We are fighting the wrong battles. That's what Jesus said. Why are you worrying about what to eat, what to drink? What to wear? Those are things which pagans run after. You've got a father in heaven. I mean, if you have to really slog for this and worry about this and lose your sleep over it, what kind of a father do you have? Did uh, Abigail and Emmy worry in this morning? Nothing. Nothing. You think Pastor Vijay is better than God? No, he said, even if you evil fathers know how to give good things to your children, how much more? We fight and waste time over things which are already given in Christ Jesus and don't fight the battles which we are called to fight. We are called to fight principalities, powers, rulers, wicked forces that is trying to blind the minds of people so that he can drag them to hell. We are called to fight for the souls of nations and souls of people. God says, ask of me. I will give you bread and butter. He says, I will give you nations. Nations. Many nations, what do you want? Land? No. People. People. We don't want land. We want people. Who the land anyway belongs to our father. Earth and its fullness belongs to God. But our battle is over the souls of people. You know, we waste our time fighting the wrong, wrong battle. It's a battle. And this battle has to be fought. And it is the battle of faith. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, this is what he is talking about at the end of his life. I have fought the good fight. Which battle did you fight? Did you fight with anybody? He says, all I can remember after salvation is I had a verbal fight with Barnabas. Other than that, I don't remember anything. Every fight with his powers of darkness. He was a man who wrestled in prayer. And won over nations for God. And still winning over. Though he's dead, he still speaks. The words God spoke through him is still winning over nations. 
He said, I have fought the good fight and I have finished the race. My personal fight I have won and I won the other battles I had for nations and other people. And I have kept the faith. And he says, there is a crown laid for me. So faith and the battle of faith and crown goes together. That's why it is important. That's what I said. The devil cannot keep you from being saved. He will try to keep you from getting your crown. He will not let you fight this battle of faith. By getting you distracted with all the other things. So let us look at facts of faith. The truth about faith. First is Ephesians 2.8. Very simple. I'm taking you step by step. Okay. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourself. It is the gift of God. There are three things here. One is salvation. Second is grace by which God saves us. And the third is faith. All three are a gift. You didn't earn anything. Okay. Salvation is free. He paid the price. The grace of God is free. You cannot earn it. Gift is also free. It is given as a gift. Sorry, faith is also a gift. Okay. It's a gift. Everybody is given. If you are saved, you have it. If you don't have, if you are not saved, you don't have it. And how do you get it? Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing. That's why we wake you up when you fall asleep. And we call people when they are distracted. Because there's only way faith comes. Okay. Now, And she believed. And she took it. Now I don't know whether she will return it. She will say, I have a hundred witnesses here, she will say. You know, God gives. We have to receive it. Don't blame God if you didn't receive it. Faith comes from hearing. It comes from hearing. Did you believe? Did you believe? That's why hundreds and thousands of people listened to Jesus spoke. Did everybody believe? No. Actually, he was amazed by their unbelief. It didn't mean they did not hear. They did not hear. Do you believe? And by the way, Brenda, that was my mother's offering. Okay, <laughs> I'll give you another hundred rupees. Let me put this back. Okay, Because <laughs> she's watching at home. She will ask me. <laughs> I'll give you another. I'll keep my word. Okay. So the question is, do you believe? Faith comes from hearing. Faith comes from? And hearing from the? Not hearing anything else. If you hear something else, you will have faith in that. That's also a kind of faith which is negative, which is wrong. Which takes you away from God. There is a faith that takes you towards God. Which gives you access. Remember Romans 5 too. Access into the grace of God. That comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. Then, Romans 12.3. The third one. 12.3. Can I have KJV? For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure. Meaning everybody got the same measure. It's not that Pastor Vijay and I got more, you got less. The measure of it. Everybody is given the same measure. This is a father. He doesn't give one half cup and another full cup. He gave everybody the same measure. Everybody started the same way. Everybody got the same measure. 
Okay, that's dangerous. Unless you're using it. Everybody was given one talent each. And at the end of the day, the rich man came back and said, show me what did you did. I told you, occupy till I came. One had made one into ten. Another had made one into five. The other kept it hidden. Everybody has been given the same. The measure of faith. The measure of faith. Let's look at the third one. These are all connected with faith. Second Peter 1.1. 1, 1. Simon Peter, a bond servant and the apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained like precious faith. Oh, Simon Peter's shadow which healed the people, his faith was as similar as ours. He did not get special faith because he walked with Jesus Christ. His faith was identical to the faith you and I have. It's no different. It's identical. Meaning what does you want to put a title? You have apostolic faith. You may not be an apostle, but you can have apostolic faith, the faith of the apostles. It is the same faith. There's no difference. Same. Obtained like precious faith with us. Galatians 2.20. Now KJV, that's why KJV is important. When you have doubts or when you go study further, you always go back to KJV because it's King James. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith. All other versions says in. No. I live by the faith of the Son of God. You know what that means? Jesus Christ, when he walked on earth, had the same faith as us. Nothing different. The faith you and I have is the faith of God. The faith of Jesus. The faith of Peter. The faith of Paul. God said, what are you doing with it? He said, I did not give my son a different faith. He had the same faith which you have. The faith of the son of God. And all these uh, editors got frightened by that off and made it into in. Because nobody wants to believe that God has given us his faith. But it is true. You cannot have a faith to be saved, a faith that is different from the faith of God, because God operates by, only by faith. You getting? It is exciting and scary. We have the faith of Peter. We have the faith of Jesus. Everybody, all who are saved, have the same faith. God operates by faith. What does it mean? He has absolute trust in the words he speaks. That's what he says. My word will not go void. It will always achieve the purpose for which it is sent. He has no doubts about what he says. And God says, you should have no doubt about what I have said and I am saying. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You need to have the trust in my word the way I trust my word. And that is where unbelief is the Big block. God never doubts anything he says. How did he create everything? He sat with a drawing board and said, Son, come here, spirit, come here, engineering. He brought all this. He said, No, let it be. Absolute trust in my word. Let there be. Now we are putting not putting trust in our word. We are putting trust in his word. <clears throat> That's what he told Joshua. Meditate upon my word day and night. Do not turn to the right or to the left. 
and do not let it depart from your mouth. When you speak, be very careful. Your words align with what I have spoken. <clears throat> what I have, I'm speaking to you. Jude chapter 1 and verse 20. Peter Jude qualifies, but you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith. This faith you and I have been given by God is not an ordinary faith because it is a faith that proceeds from God. So it is the most holy faith. Build yourself in that. And praying in the Holy Spirit. Did you see it? Put it both together. Holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. So no one is with, with excuse. You have no excuse. Okay? So if you look at Matthew 17 and 19 and 20, the disciples come to Jesus. And what do they ask? <clears throat> Why couldn't we not cast it out? Why are we not able to cast it out? What did Jesus answer? Oh, this you can't. Only I can. This fellow is too big. You have to go to India, go up to the Himalayas, learn Tandra, Mantra and all and come. He didn't say anything like that. No nonsense like that. He said what? Because of your unbelief. Even if you have faith as little as a mustard faith. That's all enough. That's enough. Why? Because it is the faith of God. It is the most holy faith. It will cast out any mountain, anything. If you look at verse 16 and 17, Jesus was very upset. <clears throat> so I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. <clears throat> Jesus answered and said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation. Now this guy is blaming the disciple. And Jesus is mad at everybody. You faithless generation. You don't need my disciple to do this. You can do it yourself. If you are walking by faith in the first place, these fellows won't even get in. They wouldn't influence your body or your thinking. You faithless generation. That's what he's talking about. You're trying to blame my apostles, my disciples, as if it's their fault. You, know? you go to a bunty, overeat, and you have diarrhea, you blame the doctor. Think about it. I have to give you logical examples so that you understand what they are trying to say. Dr. Richard gave me this medicine, it is not working. Blame Dr. Richard. He says, you know what? You faithless and perverse generation. <clears throat> How long shall I be with you? He says, what are you going to do? In a few months time, I am gone. And what will you do? You are going to come running after me all the time? When are you going to learn to walk in your deliverance? When are you learn to walk and live by faith? <clears throat> See, what we have done is, we have negated the power of faith, which is the power to overcome. Power to overcome. We hear, but we don't believe. And if we believe, we don't act. And we negate the power of faith. Let's look at the same incident in Mark chapter 9. Four verses, 20 to 24. Then they brought him 
to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if he can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Now he's telling the father. But if you go to verse uh, 20, and, uh, yeah, let's go there. Okay. Then they brought, and in verse 21, Jesus asked this question. How long? How long has this been happening to him? Now, he's not a physician who's asking, right? Doctor will ask, how long do you have these symptoms? He's not asking for that reason. But he's asking for another. How long has this been? How long this condition? How long have you lived with this? Turn to John chapter 5 and verses 5 and 6. Now there was a man there who was had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time. So he asked, how long? Each one, how long? How long? How long? One man he found, that guy, 38. How long? How long have you been in this condition? The sickness, the bondage, whatever it is, physical, mental, Family, office. How long is the question? Why does he ask this question? The problem is, when you start not dealing with it, and it continues for a long time, it enters your mind. You learn to live with it. You accept the unacceptable in your life. You learn to live with it. That's why he asked this man, pick up your mat and walk. When the first day, the first week, first month and all, when he was brought, he must have just sat over there. And after some time, he decided, okay, it's, the ground is a little hard. He brought his mat. No, After two months, you bring a pillow. Then you take your afternoon nap over there. You know? Then you decide, okay, sometimes I just don't want to lie down. I want to sit. You bring a chair also. Before you know, you have made a house there. It is well settled in your mind. You have accepted that abnormal situation in your life, whether it's a disease or a situation in your life, as normal. That's why he asked the question, how long? How long? You know what have we done? We have accepted defeat. But that's exactly what the devil wants to do. Accept defeat. While he knows up there he's been defeated, emptied, made a public spectacle. He has no power over us except the power to deceive. The power to deceive. Meaning, live with it. Live with it. You can't change your situation. Just live with it. Live with it. Why do we struggle to come to absolute faith? Maybe when this man heard and heard about Jesus. And when he came over there, he came with full of faith. But Jesus wasn't there. The disciples were there. And nothing happened. Okay? So now, little faith is gone. 
So if you look at verse uh, 23, if I'm right, 22. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy. But if you can do anything. The if has come over there. Lord, Lord, I believe, Lord, I believe. I'm believing for a breakthrough. After one long. Lord, if you can. We add within brackets to protect ourselves. Look, you see. The issue is not with my prayer, okay? I regularly pray. And I fast also. But if you can, outsource the problem again. That is how our faith leaks away. Listen to our conversation. The words we speak. If you can. If you can. You know what he does in verse 23? He puts the honors back on us. He said, by the way, if you can believe, <laughs> you think outsourcing began now. <laughs> he says, no, if you can believe, not this thing, all things are possible. Whatever the devil brings in your life, cast it aside. You'll keep moving on. You won't give him the victory over your life. Because you have been called to be victorious. I've already spoken over you. What did I say? You're more than conquerors. Okay. He says, if you can. In Matthew 9, 28 and 29, you have the other situation. No? And when he had come into the house, the blind man came to him. And Jesus said to them, do you believe that I can do this? You have been following me for days, hours. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. I have mercy. So he went inside. They went inside. Somehow they managed to find the door and went inside. He said, okay. That's what he does. What is right? Do you really believe? He said, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Let me see how desperate you are. You gave up after two days, three days. Why do, you de- why do I delay to see that your faith is real? That you know you are absolutely desperate and you will not stop until you get it. Because you believe in me. So he went inside. They came inside. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said, yes, Lord. He said, okay. He touched their eyes and said, according to your faith. He put it back on them. He says, you know what? I want you to teach you to learn to walk with God on your own. And do the works of God. Not getting God to do your work for you. I want you to learn to live this kingdom life. Let it be unto you according to your faith. So in Matthew 9, 24, when this man says, no, let it, says, Jesus says, if you believe, look at his answer, verse 24. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears. Remember, you have to read these parallel passages, then only we'll get the full intent of what the spirit is trying to teach us. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. That's our struggle. Everybody. We have our belief and we have our unbelief. We have both. Believingly we come and unbelievingly we sleep. Ajay, believingly we came. So the question is here. Why do we struggle? Why do we struggle? 
even though we have the same faith of God, of Jesus, of Peter and Paul, why do we struggle? Remember the old story I told you about this gentleman who used to come from the mountains to the village market? He had two dogs. Yeah, two dogs. Uh, today we shall have a white dog and a brown dog. We'll keep black out because it becomes very politically wrong. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we don't want BLM coming here also. Okay, so we'll leave. The, we shall we shall change colors around. Okay, <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with them, but all colors are beautiful because God created them. Okay, let's stick to the narrative. He has these two dogs, the white dog and let's say the black dog. They come to the village market. They fight. People play pay bets. Okay, one Sunday the black dog wins. The other Sunday the white dog wins. Okay, but he always wins. People place bets. You know. So one day one of his friends asked him, how come that each week it's a different dog? What was his answer? You all know. What was the answer? He said, whichever dog I feed that week wins that Sunday. Let me ask you this question. What if he fed both dogs? What if he fed both dogs? Nobody would win. It would be a tie. Right? It's like a tug of war. Both sides are not moving anywhere. They're expending their entire strength. But if you look at that line, nobody is crossing. Here are five people pulling with all their strength. Other side, six people pulling with all the strength. But nobody is moving. On one side, you come to the church and listen to the word for one hour, 40 minutes. Then you go back into the world and listen to the junk for three hours, 40 minutes. Nobody is going anywhere. Nobody is going anywhere. And then you turn around and we blame God. God said, even if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, that's enough. So what is blocking that faith from operating? Unbelief. Right? 2 Corinthians 5, 7, I think I didn't give it. We all know it by heart, but it's good to have it on the screen for our brethren who are watching. For we walk by faith and not by sight. These are two different things. Faith is one thing. Sight is another thing. You can't, you can't move in both directions at the same time. It's not possible. So what do you end up? Sight cancels, faith out. Where are you? Caught between two opinions. Status quo. Yahweh is Yahweh, follow Yahweh. If Baal is Baal, follow Baal. People said, nothing. Sitting in the middle. That's what the church has come to. What did the father say? Lord, I believe. But help my unbelief. And it's just not just the father who had the issue. The disciples had the same issue. So they come in Matthew 17, 19 to 21 and say, Lord, they came to you privately. Why could we not cast it out? Jesus said, because of your unbelief. You think only that man, he's struggling with unbelief. He says, you guys have been walking with me. You're struggling with the same issue. You're also struggling with unbelief. And then, Jesus said to them, assuredly, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, we look at verse 21, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and, okay, we'll come back to that later, okay. 
or some other day. He's not talking about casting out demons by prayer. And You find me one place in scripture where you have to fast and pray to cast out a demon. To cast out demons by the power and the authority of Jesus' name. Leave. So what is he talking about fasting and praying? It is about taking out unbelief. He says, you will have to deal with your, your entire system, body, mind, if you have to deal with unbelief. That is a big battle. Okay, so we shall look at unbelief today. Close look at unbelief. What causes unbelief? There are different causes for unbelief. First cause, Jose 4, 6. I can say Jose because we have only English-speaking people here. No Telugus. Not Jose, yeah. Jose. 4, 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So what is the first cause of unbelief? Ignorance. First cause. Ignorance. You don't know what God has said. Everybody will come and sing. Whose report will you believe? What is the answer? We shall believe the. Do you know his report in the first place to believe? Singing is one thing. Knowing is another thing. Whose report? Do you know his report? Okay, about healing. Can you give me five verses which God has talked about healing? Six verses, seven verses. The first man who prayed for healing and got healed. Or got healed through him. To the last verse in the Old Testament which talks about healing. Or all the way to Revelation 22 which talks about healing. Do you know his report? Then what report did you believe? What report did you believe? The first cause of unbelief is simply ignorance. What is that? You cannot believe something which you don't know. You don't know. Right? When I used to live in that country, up in the mountains, in Bhutan, I mean, not the recent past, but long ago when I was over there. Because I used to come down to India as a child every year, come and go back. The only things most of my friends in those rural schools had seen of the world was on black and white screens in the movie theater run by the army. They had never seen most of They had never seen a plane. They had never seen a train. Even today, there are places where you can walk nine hours, ten hours, one week, where people haven't even seen slippers. You have to talk to my mother to hear interesting stories. When the first time in 1962 and 63, when my father took out his mirror and started shaving, half the village came to see, because they had never seen a man shave. How do you know if you haven't heard? That is why the honest on the preaching of the gospel. How will they believe if they haven't heard? How blessed are the feet of those who preach the gospel? Why do we pray for a dis- different result in this election? Is because a dispensation is trying to come to power which wants to shut down the preaching of the gospel. They see the church, the believing church, as their enemy. They want to shut down for everything the church and the word of God stands for. Though they will use the image as if they are all Christians. 
They are not. They are not. That's the question God is asking. The first cause of unbelief is because of ignorance. We don't know. We know everything. Physics, maths, chemistry, biology, management, everything under the sky we know. We do not know what lies above the sky, which ultimately matters. Do we know the word of God? We do not know how it works. Can I have Matthew 6.33 and 1 Corinthians 4.20? I'm sorry, Dr. Richard, I gave it. Okay. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. What are we asked to seek first? We were not asked, seek ye first how this world operates. No, he says first you seek the kingdom of God. You need to understand how my kingdom works because you are already born again into that kingdom. You are citizens of my kingdom living as aliens in this world. Understand my kingdom. And what is the nature of my kingdom? First Corinthians 4.20 The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. It's not a matter of talk. It's a matter of power. Do you understand the power of my kingdom? And it is appropriated by faith and faith alone. My son walked just like you. Just walked just like you. Why? He was the firstborn among many. You are the rest. Walk just like him. He had my faith. Paul had my faith. Peter had my faith. You all have the same faith. But what has happened is, with that mustard faith, we have a mountain of unbelief. And they're canceling it out. So the question God is asking, do you have the knowledge of how God's kingdom works? You think it is random without any laws established? Which kingdom works like that? Do you understand how my kingdom works? Do you understand the power of my kingdom? Do you know how to tap into that power of that kingdom? Solution for this type of unbelief? Simple. The knowledge of the kingdom of God. It's as simple. Right? Second Peter, chapter 3, verse 18. The final words of Apostle Peter. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord. And just grow in the knowledge of God. One thing about God is that there is no difference between him and his kingdom. They are identical. The kingdom manifests the character of God. Like if you visit bachelor's rooms, it manifests their character. (laughs) Especially if you reach there without warning. If you reach there after warning, just lift their bed sheet and look. Character has gone underneath. It will come out after you have left. And you understood, right? What it means, the king and the kingdom are the same. The kingdom manifests the nature of the king. It's righteous. It's order. The way everything works in his kingdom. Everything. It's a kingdom of power. When he speaks, it just happens. It is done. No angel doubts his word. No angel doubts his word. It is done. Grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And Second Peter chapter 1, 3 and 4. Very familiar. As his divine power has given to us all things. First thing God said, I already given. Not I will give you. I will give you. Let me put example. Young kids are sitting over here. What does it mean? Let us say my son is there. Let us say he is in the hostel. Okay, now hostel is not there because of the COVID. He's in the hostel. 
and his uh, expenses each month, let us say, is 5,000. Okay. So for a year, how much does he need? Roughly 60,000. Okay. Now, he goes into the hostel in the month of January, and I put one lakh in his account. Does he have to worry about January to February? Does he have to worry about March? Worry about April? It's already given, right? It's already given. All you need to use is ATM card or Google Pay or whatever. That's all he has to do. It's already given. Everything that pertains to life and... But how do you get it? Next word. Through the knowledge. My people perish because of lack of knowledge. Because of the knowledge of him. Because of through the knowledge of him. That's why we come to the... We are not telling story time here. We are trying to understand God and how his kingdom works. That is the preaching of the gospel. That through faith... Through the preaching, you understand the king, you understand the kingdom, and that preaching brings faith, and you learn to live as a kingdom person. As the kingdom person. Through the knowledge of him, who called us by glory and virtue, and then, by which we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises. His word is full of promises. The Holy Spirit will lead you to those promises. And you draw, the promise is like the ATM card. Promise is like an ATM card. Using that promise, you draw what? The very life of God you draw out. What is grace? It's the life of God. The power of the Holy Spirit. You appropriate through that promise, faith comes, you draw out the very power and the life of God. And it becomes your life. And what happens? His life always destroys the corruption that is in the world, which through deception is trying to get in. You're getting the picture? That is why throughout Hebrews 11, you get this word, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. By faith. So the first cause of unbelief is lack of knowledge. The only solution to that is knowing. See, most Christians are religious. Religious. They are very religious people. But they are not ordained. Their thinking is not ordained by the word of God. They are good people. They are not bad people. They are very religious people. Their trust is in more in rituals than in the word of God. And whenever they hear the word of God, they get upset. They get upset. There's only one answer to the unbelief, first cause of unbelief. Because unbelief is the one that stops us from appropriating what God has for us in this life and in the life to come. Everything, if you look at verse 3, everything that pertains to what? To life and, and this will matter there. Life here, godliness. Everything, everything has given to us. Through the knowledge of Him. So seek knowledge of God. Focus on that. Lord, I want to know you. Even in your prayer life, it has to be Lord. When I study the Word of God, Lord, I want to pray. I want to know you, Lord. I want to know you. I'm not, I'm not seeking knowledge to pass an examination. No. That's what you have. You have 
to search the scriptures with the Holy Spirit to understand the life of Jesus Christ because you want to partake of it. That's what he asked the disciples. You all search the scriptures. What did you see? What did you see? These scriptures speak about me. And then he's angry with them. You faithless generation. How long should I tolerate you? Because you are supposed to imitate my life. These guys have no right in your life. They are like flies you should swat away. Their idea shouldn't even get into your mind if your mind is controlled by the word of God. You push that away. It doesn't agree with the word of God. It simply doesn't. I mean, Satan himself came to tempt Jesus. What did he say? It's written. Just go away. Bago. I'm just from one book, Deuteronomy. It's written. It's written. The question is, do we know what is written? If you do not know what is written, how will we know what is spoken? Because he still speaks to your spirit. But before you can understand, he is speaking and understand it, you need to know what is written. So the first cause of unbelief, the first cause of unbelief is our lack of knowledge of the word of God. And God says, my people perish, are destroyed. By whom? By the enemy. And natural calamities, all those things. Everything that we cannot, natural things are, pandemic has come. Do you have to die? No. No. I'm not going to die in this pandemic. Nonsense. You've got work to do. Where do you get it from? The book of Psalms. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. I shall not die. When it's time to go home, I will go. Before that, nobody should die. No. Should die. No. You should have. When you fear the fear of death comes in, you should have a reply to that from the word of God. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will bring to your... How can you bring to remembrance when you have never read your Bible? At least once read. At least once. So that you can bring to your remembrance. The word of God. It's the knowledge of God. That's why John begins his gospel by saying, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word is, was God. First cause, lack of knowledge. Second cause. This is a very common, so common, that we don't even understand. We live in it. What do I call the natural cause? You see, we have five senses, which is called our eyes, our ears, our nose, our smell, and our touch. Five senses. This is by which we pursue everything. Everything. We pursue everything. Now, if I were to ask Gopi, what did you perceive? He will not be very sure because his eyes were away. Now, just think about it, okay? I'm mean, not thinking in the terms of a negative thing. Just think about it that you are blind. And you are born blind. Immediately what happens is your perception of what is happening is completely different from the others who can see. You don't know colors. You don't know size. You don't know shape. It, the whole world is different for you. Okay? Your perception has changed. Or you can see, you can't hear. You have no access to language. To language. And we communicate through language. Or you can see, but you cannot hear or speak. You cannot even communicate. You can see, you can hear, you can speak, but you, have, you are a leper. 
you have no sensation. You have no sensation. Okay. Or let us say you have all four, but you have no taste. That's one of the signs when they get COVID. Taste has gone. Everything is continental cuisine now. Even, even Hyderabadi, Mirch Biryani is also continental. Why? Taste buds have gone. Do you understand what happens? Our senses, our five senses. And there is a sixth one, which is called fate. We're not talking about the sixth sense the world talks about intuition. No, we're talking about fate. That's the sixth one. You know how God called us to walk? He said, walk by faith. Don't walk by your sight. When you're moving from one place to another, use your sight. He's not talking about that. He's talking about living. The problem is sight almost always or often contradicts what God says. Like I said, this man began his journey well. He heard about Jesus. He brought his son and then what happened? The disciples couldn't do anything. Mark 9, verse 20. They brought him to him. Okay, Jesus came down. We don't know how long it took. The Mount of Transfiguration, we don't know. Yeah, and the disciples are trying every trick they have learned. No, nothing is happening. Nothing happening. This man is also getting up to say, He says, where is your rabbi? Where is your rabbi? No, he has gone with three disciples up the mountain. Can I go? No, no, you wait there. He will come. He will come. We are waiting, 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 waiting. See, this waiting is a very difficult thing. And then Jesus came. And as soon as they brought to him, when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at his mouth. What does that mean to us? It means as you are believing, you are hoping, and then the more you pray, the situation gets worse. How does it affect your faith? It doesn't get better, it gets worse. Where does it get worse? It's the test of your faith. Will you quit? Will you quit? It gets worse. It doesn't get better. <clears throat> That's how the enemy operates. That's how the enemy operates. You need to understand. God allows it. Why? He's always in control. He's just seeking. Do you, do you believe? Let's look at another situation. Okay, so that we'll come back to this. Matthew chapter 5. Sorry, Mark chapter 5, 21 to 24. This is the situation, remember. <coughs> when Jesus had crossed over... <coughs> Again, by the boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. When he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed. She will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. So this crowd is going. Where are they all going? To Jairus' house. And why? They all heard. Jairus' daughter is ill but died. On that way is when the woman with the issue of blood comes from the back and touches him. So everything stops. Jesus stops. Who touched me? All this thing is happening. All this thing is happening. Verse 35. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher anymore? Daughter is dead. Don't go for counseling. Marriage is dead. Why go? 
somebody comes and says, no point, your marriage is gone. No need for counseling. It's gone. Khattam gaya. Your child, hopeless. Don't try IIT. Try ITI. Finished. MBBS? Not good even for pharmacy. Finished. Reports will keep on coming. We are not degrading pharmacy because you have a doctor and a pharmacist sitting here. Okay? <laughs> but you are talking about how people talk. And we believe this report. And we sing whose report we will believe. We will believe these people's report, not God's report. You are forgetting the fundamental Jesus said. Go and preach the kingdom of God. Heal the sick. Cast the demon. Raise the dead. What is the worst case scenario? Death of something. God says, I am the resurrection and the life. Are you going to give up? Are you going to give up? What is the worst case scenario? Death. Because after death there is no hope. He says, there is hope. I am the resurrection and the life. Listen to Jesus, verse 36. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler, be not be afraid, only believe. The entire census, the entire conversation of the world is got to create what? Fear. Unbelief and fear goes together. Fear. And we have this beautiful, what is fear? False evidence appearing real. It's not true. But we take it. Think about it. Simple, very most familiar scene for Christians. Here is Goliath, seven feet Coming every day, threatening, threatening, and all in brass. Even his teeth was brass. Hurling <laughs> insult and insult and insult. The whole Israeli army quaking in fear. Reality, all it do, all it take is a shepherd boy with a sling to bring him down, but nobody knows until the boy comes there. That's the reality. This is fear, false evidence appearing real. Here is faith standing with a mustard seed. That is a stone. That one stone will bring that down. But nobody knows. Nobody knows. Anybody could have brought him down. Not David. Anybody could have brought him down if they had faith. David brought him down because he was the only one who had faith. That's what God is asking. This is don't believe. Ignore. Do we ignore? Don't fear. Only Believe. Don't accept the evidence of what these people have said. You heard something? They saw something. You heard something. That is reported. Don't believe that. You come to me, right? You come to me, right? I am with you, right? I am walking with you. You know I am with you. You experience my presence in your situation. Why are you listening to them and giving up? Our problem is we haven't gone to him and we are not aware he's walking with us. That is where our issue comes. He's walking with us. This is the greatest promise Jesus gave to us. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll be with you till the very end. And that's the spirit of Jesus walking with us. And the spirit of God says, don't believe it. Don't believe it. That's what Isaiah 11, 3 and 4 means. Second part of the verse 3. 
He's really like, he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. Yes, no. Are you going to judge by what you see and what you hear? What people have said and what you yourself see? Or are you going to judge by what God says? What does he say? With righteousness. How will he judge? With righteousness. You know righteousness is a result of faith. There is a righteousness that comes from God that is apart from the law. A righteousness that is in Christ and Christ alone. By faith in Christ and Christ alone. How are, how are you and I declared righteous? Because we believed in Jesus Christ. He will not judge by what he sees or what he hears. He will judge in righteousness. Is your, is your judgment of your situation righteous? It's a question God is saying. My marriage is over. Is your judgment right? My son is gone. Is your righteousness, is your judgment right? Did I tell you that? There's only one judgment that is right. That is the judgment of God. Did God tell you that? God tell you that? I'll never get married. Did God tell you that? I will never get a promotion. Did God tell you that? Who told you that? My manager. Every company, every manager said the same thing. Does it, does it be true? Did God tell you that? When God tells you, that's exactly what happened. Usually I'm a news buff. Past three days, morning ones, night ones. God says, shut it out. You listen to me. It's over when I tell you it's over. When I tell you it's over, it is over. It's not over until I tell you it's over. Fox doesn't elect the, the president. CNN doesn't elect the president. He says, I decide who will sit on that chair. So you don't listen to those voices. Shut it down and sit in your prayer closet. I had fasted for 21 days till November the 3rd. He said, continue. It's not over yet, the battle. You're not battling for the White House. You're battling for the soul of your sons. Put Nehemiah 4.14. Up there on scripture. This is what he gave me a few weeks back. And I wrote to all of our churches. He said, when you are fighting, know what you are fighting for. You are not fighting for prosperity. You are not fighting for the stock market. You are not fighting for jobs. This is what you are fighting for. I looked at Eros and said to the nobles, the leaders and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. Fight for your brethren. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives. This is what we are fighting for. And every Christian YouTube channel, which is everywhere I wrote the same thing. And I got from around the world, hallelujah, thank you, thank you. I said, you need to know what you're fighting for. I was never on social media. You need to know what you're fighting for. What are you fighting for? This is what we are fighting for. We are fighting for our families. If the body of church is the body of Christ, they are our family. This is what we are fighting for. We don't know what battles we are fighting. We get involved in all the wrong battles. We are fighting for roti, kapada, makan. God says, I am a father. Why are you fighting for this? I'll take care of that. You fight for the right cause. This is what you are fighting for. Nehemiah. One hand a sword, the other hand a, whatever you call it, mysteries brick. He's building the wall and looking out for the enemy. Why are you building the wall for? So that our homes and our families can have protection. We need to know what we are fighting for. That's what Jesus says. I do not judge by what I hear. I do not judge by what I see. My right judgment is righteous. There's only one judgment that is righteous. You know when my judgment becomes righteous? When I have heard from God. 
whatever situation. That's it. Three times Jesus cried to the Father. Father said no. Three times Paul cried to the Father. God said no. So rise to surgery. Don't ask anymore. God said no. It's not that they didn't hear. Three times God said no. So don't ask. So righteous. Lord, you are righteous. Moses, you will not enter into the promised land. Your generation will go. I will show you the plan from far away. You will not enter. Lord, all your ways are right, perfect, and justice. Because I heard, and your judgment is always right. Always right. Whether it is a yes or a no, you have to hear. That's where faith comes. And once you have heard, you stand there. You don't get up. Right? Elijah had heard. Nobody heard. Elijah is the only one who heard. Fire has come. And he's going up the mountain. But he has heard from God inside. And he tells King Ahab, go eat. Because I hear the sound of rain. Yet, he's going up. And he's on his knees with his head between his knees. Crying out. He's praying. And he tells his servant, go see. Once. Nothing. Second. Nothing. Third. Why is his head between the knees? Because I do not want to believe what I see or what I hear. I am listening. I hear the sound of rain. Go again. Nothing. Go again. Nothing. Go again. Nothing. Go again. Nothing. Eight times he comes and says, I see a cloud. Besides, he had already heard. Therefore, his his judgment was right. It was righteous. This is to which we are called to walk. And what does the devil try to do? He keeps us from our prayer closet and he keeps us from the word of God. And we are full of other stuff and there is this huge mountain of unbelief. Mountain of unbelief. Everything, like I said, everything in life. Hear from God. It's a God who speaks what does Jesus do in Jairus' house? Verse 37. <clears throat> he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John. Why? Because the other, let us say nine, had already proven their unbelief, unable to cast out a demon. These three had seen his transfiguration on the, he said, you have faith, you come with me, the rest of you stay outside. He is not a respecter of persons. When you want something done in the kingdom of God, you need the company of people who believe, not just any company. So God would rather have one man stand on Mount Carmel than have 7,000 who did not bend their knees before Baal. He said, you alone is enough, because the rest of them don't believe. You alone is enough. The Bible doesn't say the servant was with Elijah from the narrative from the beginning. He was with him. The Bible doesn't say Elijah and the servant made the altar. The Bible says Elijah made the altar. He didn't involve him in anything. The Bible doesn't say Elijah and the servant were on the knees praying. He didn't say, no, you stay there. You're really good for this. Understand how the kingdom of God works. All God, that's what Jesus says. When the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? People who have never given up, knocking and knocking and knocking. He says, my people are crying out day and night. And all I'm looking is for people who will never give up. Because they have heard. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. He has not said no. So why should I give up? 
So what did he do? He kept the unbelieving. Disciples also were. Now what it means? Much of our unbelief is caused by the company we keep. I have my own statement. My own statement patented to me. I would rather be a spiritual introvert than be a worldly extrovert. If the fellowship does not build my faith, I love you. God bless you. Bye. Choose your company. Because Jesus did. Verse 38, 39. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. Everybody is giving into the evidence of their eyes and ears. Crying and howling. After some time you start believing it even more. And when he came in, he said, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not yet sleeping. Why are you beating your breast like this and tearing your hair? Your marriage is not over. Just a fight. Can we put together again? Why are you? Oh, no, my child is gone. Why are you crying like people with no hope? Did you hear from me? Did I tell you? Your son is gone. Your daughter is gone. Did I tell you? Your job is gone. He says, it's, it's not dead. It's just sleeping. Sleeping can look like death, but it's not dead. It's not dead. And? Verse 40. Can I have verse 40? Yeah. Look at what he did. They ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside. The scoffers, the mockers. You see, you can loudly wail and also mock at the same time. This is one of the fundamental issues with counseling. People, when they come for counseling, they already prepared what they want to hear. They are not coming for counseling. They are coming to check the counselor out. Because now Google is there. This is what happens with me and Dr. Richard. Okay, Because we are all Googlers. When I discuss a disease with him, before I, he gives me this thing, I tell him, this is all the things which I read up. That's the way our mind works, right? <laughs> Sometimes he doesn't say anything. He says, because if you know so much, why should I put my disease into it? <laughs> then I realize, why did I go to him? He's the expert. Why am I talking? Right? This is what happens. He put them all out. He took the father and the mother and those who were with him, the three. Father and mother have a stake. They are desperate. He took the desperate and the three who believed and he entered where the child was lying. This is what he meant. Matthew 17 and 21. This kind of unbelief does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now let me explain to you what this means. Fasting is withdrawing from what feeds the senses. Praying is entering into the presence of God. That's what fasting means. It's not just not eating. So it's the major part of it. 
Fasting is withdrawing from anything that is feeding your senses. Okay. We need to go out as part of our work. I'm not talking about that. Anything that's feeding your senses, which will contradict what the word of God says. Fasting is withdrawing from that. And praying. You cannot have... See, every religion fasts. It's of no effect other than losing weight. No effect. The only way fasting works is when you pray and pray to the right God. Remember uh, Jabez's prayer? Oh Lord, he prayed to the God of Israel. Oh Lord, that you would bless me, enlarge my territory, that you hand would upon me, you keep me from evil, and let me not cause pain. He must have fasted also. Not mentioned there, he must have. Fasting is withdrawal. Praying is advancing into the presence of God. You have to have both. Otherwise, it simply will not work. And you and I have to make that choice. You have to make that choice. You cannot feed your senses and pray. Faith and unbelief cannot walk together. You'll always struggle. And you will nowhere go. There will be great movement in your life. But it will be in circles. Remember the children of Israel? Boy, they moved for 40 years. They never stayed anywhere for too long. But the problem of the scenery was the same. You know why? They believed. And they also had unbelief. Ultimately, unbelief destroyed them. Matthew 13, verse 24-25. Jesus says something. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. God's word is only good. If God is good all the time, his word is good all the time. So what he sows through his word is good seed. But there is an enemy. What did the enemy do? While men slept. Meaning, when they were spiritually asleep and carnally awake, the tears were sown. You come to church, you listen to the word of God, and all hyped up everything, and then after this thing, why she tells hubby, let's go to whatever mart. There's so many marts. I don't know what marts you go to. Okay. And before you know, mart, cart, and word shall go apart. Gone, everything gone. You don't even remember what you heard. He came and sowed the tears. God sowed the good seed. The enemy sowed the tears. Oh, you sit before your TV. I have to chill. Remember the guy in hell? Lord, one drop. I don't even want to chill. Just one drop, Lord. That is where unbelief took him ultimately. And on earth, he thought he was chilling. We struggle with this. They don't grow together. They should never grow together. If weeds and tears grow, that means we were spiritually asleep. That's why the Bible says to look uh, to Laodicea. How did Laodicea reach that situation? They have a huge church. Services are going all fantastic. And they think, boy, we got everything. Look at our worship team. Look at our preacher. 
look at our congregation and god comes and gives a completely different narrative and they have no idea how did they reach there because they were spiritually lukewarm romans 12:2 can i have it in niv do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world don't keep changing according to the world any longer wherever you entered the kingdom of god the world should stop with you there after that you grow in the kingdom don't grow in the world i'm not talking about education for whatever god has called you but i'm talking about the world then you will be and renewing your mind okay you will be able to that is by the word of god you will be able to test and approve what god's will is his good pleasing and perfect what is the first one good i was telling pastor with yesterday also we said all of you are good the world is most people are good people everybody is good because everybody partook of that tree good and evil nobody is fully evil like i keep telling the mafia boss also sends his son to private schools he kills of other sons and sends his son to switzerland so everybody has innate goodness in them the issue is not with goodness the issue is when you have to move from good to pleasing that's when the trouble comes that is when the line is drawn all are good everybody sitting here is good but the question is can you say hebrews 11:6 is true for me it is impossible to please god without see when you come to pleasing you have heard till then you are doing good works you are not doing faith works you are not doing the works of faith because you haven't heard at the good everybody is good but the minute you come to pleasing the good hate you what do you think you are better than us that is aaron and miriam aaron have you ever heard no how does god speak to you through him then why do you think you are better than him kora data abiram does god only speak through you the whole congregation is holy god said separate these guys don't please me you do this is our issue we are not willing to withdraw from the world we want to be in the world and also want to partake of the goodness of god we eat unbelief when you go to the world we drink unbelief we bathe in unbelief then we come to church and we feel good because i came to church i did my two bits for god that's why consciously we have to choose an atmosphere where faith is protected and nurtured that's why god led his people into the wilderness away from the voices of the world and you and i have to make the choice That's why I said I would rather be a spiritual introvert than be a worldly extrovert. It is in that context God told Abraham, 
Abraham, Acts chapter 7. His brethren and fathers, listen, the God of our glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran and said to him, get out of your country and from your relatives. Why should he get out? Get out of them. Leave them. Lord, why should I leave my father and my brothers and so on? Because your faith, you have started believing, will not be nurtured in this climate of unbelief in your home. Separate some. You cannot grow. You will always listen to them. And they will always influence your thinking and your actions. He moved from the Ur of the Chaldeans till Haran, but the climate never changed. Only the city changed. The climate was still the climate of unbelief because he took his father and his household with him. Did you see? He didn't understand what God was saying. He didn't obey him perfectly. He said, leave that company. I know you love them. They're not, they're, they're not bad people. They're good people. But I want you to be a pleasing man. Like we keep telling, the worst enemy of excellence is good. The worst enemy of excellence is good. On the other hand, the day he leaves Haran, and he moves into the promised land, and travels a little, scripture says God met him. Because the climate has changed. He has moved from the climate, the fellowship, the atmosphere of unbelief for God to be able to speak to him now. You are not hearing from God. Check your climate. What's the kind of atmosphere you live in? On the contrary, let me tell you something interesting. On the contrary, God never told Isaac to leave his father. Stick with your father. For that is the climate that will grow your faith. He told Abraham, leave your father. He told Isaac, stay with your father. So it's not one cap fits all. You have to look at what does it mean. What does it mean? To the point in Genesis 25, 5 and 6, this is what Abraham says. Abraham gave, oh, oh, not 25. The one where he says, my son will never go back there. It's okay, it's okay. We know, 24, okay. My son will, when Elias are asked, if the girl doesn't come, can I take? He says, no. He will never leave this atmosphere of faith. He will live here. And God will bring a girl who would want to live in this atmosphere of faith. And not an atmosphere of unbelief. He never goes. You know the oldest in the Bible among that was Isaac. Abraham lived 175. Isaac lived 180. And uh, Jacob 147 or something. And Joseph 110. The guy who lived the oldest never ever put one foot outside the promised land. He lived there in the promised land. And you know one thing? His father fought battles. His brother, his son had to fight battles. He never had to fight a battle. It was all taken care of for him. Because his life was a life of faith. He overcame without having to go anywhere. Famine came. 
Barrenness was there. All the situations was there in his life. His father went through, his son went through, but he didn't buckle under any of those pressures. You know why? Because he dealt with unbelief in his life every day. That is what it means to live in the promised land. The land of promises. We have been given exceedingly precious promises by which we draw and partake of the divine nature of God and escape the corruption in the world that comes through lust. That's Isaac's life. And that's what God is talking about. And people struggle with this. And Jesus is saying, this is what you have to do. You will have to fast and pray to cast this mountain of unbelief away. Take it out. Withdraw and pray. And Lord, clean me out. Because what does fasting do? Boy, fasting. The actual, the first fundamental meaning of fasting will mess your stomach up. What fasting does it? Actually, it brings to the surface everything that is in the flesh. Okay, you are hungry, you snap at your wife, you shout at your children, everything comes out. First day of fasting. Result, zero. (laughs) And your flesh is telling many signals. Fasting means rice, roti, pasta, spaghetti. It doesn't mean chocolate. You can have a chocolate. Flesh will bring everything. Fasting will bring everything out. All the cravings will come out. You know Numbers 11.4? They were on a long fast from Egypt. They are eating. They are not hungry. Nobody is hungry. They are getting manna from heaven. But they are fasting from Egypt. Enforced fasting. You know, the mixed multitude who were among yielded to intense craving. Not hunger. They are all full. That's why Jesus took them. They all think, hallelujah, we are the cat's whiskers. We are the best in the world. God said, I will show you. All I have to do is not give you what your flesh wants. I will show you who you really are. That's what fasting does. The first stage of fasting is everything inside comes out. That's why the first few days of fasting is the most miserable days if you're a spiritual person. All your nastiness and everything is revealed. This is what happened. There's another enforced fasting. That is called famine. Remember in Samaria, when famine came, you didn't choose the fast, the fast was put on you. Everything that is inside came out. You are so desperate, you are eating dove's poop and donkey's head. That's your flesh. Your flesh is so... Why has God put those pictures in the old covenant? When you are trying to withdraw from the world, the flesh will store, stand up, and will eat any junk offered on the internet or on the market. Any junk. Any junk. It will eat. That's what it means, donkey said and dove's poop. And they started eating each other's children. Withdraw, God says. Did you see? 
fast and pray. You need to cast out this mountain of unbelief. Your body laughs at you. You think you are the boss. I am the boss. You must be kidding me. You will wake up when I tell you when you will wake up. You will eat when I tell you to eat. How many times I tell you to eat. How much I tell you to eat. And what I tell you to eat. You are not the boss. You will watch what I tell you to watch. How long you want to watch. You will sleep as long as I want to sleep. You are not the boss. The flesh tells you. That's what your senses do. And then we come to church too. And sleep. We have not overcome the world by faith. We just made peace with the world. People do not struggle to walk by faith. Look at Abraham. Romans chapter 4, 18 and 20. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old. So now he's strong in faith. He's not weak in faith. Now he's strong in faith. Neither the deadness of Sarah's womb, scripture says, he staggered not at the promise of God through. When was the promise given? If you want to put in promised land terms, 25 years earlier. Now he has reached the point of faith where he's not staggering in unbelief. You know what staggering means? That's how a drunk walks. You know how believers walk in the church? They are drunk in the world and they stagger in unbelief. Can God, can God, can God, can God. That's why in Ephesians, Scripture says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Wine represents the world. Staggered not. What did the Father say? I believe, but help my unbelief. That's what the word is. Staggering. And that's why all the young people sitting here, almost everybody, you staggered. I can only preach, I cannot keep you from the world. <clears throat> you have to make that decision. You know, for the last 20, 25 years or more, let me honestly tell you, I have missed the world, given it a miss. You tell me about music, anything of music for the past 25 years, I don't know. You tell me about movies for the past 20-25 years, I don't know. You tell me anything of non-fiction out there in the English world, I don't know. And I don't want to know. Sports, I don't know. I don't know IPL, who is playing, who is winning, cricket, tennis, football, I don't know, I don't want to know. Raf Nadal, we will give to Pastor Vijay. I don't know. You talk to me about cuisine, I don't know. I'm not interested. You ask the young people over here, they will give you like this, sports, music, um, books, if they read, <laughs> movies, on their fingertips. Ask them about the word of God, zilch. And you pride about the knowledge of the world you have. You need to be proud. You should be able to say, I know God. That's what Paul said. I know him. 
What difference does it make? Knowing all these things. I realized it long ago. And I was a buff. I knew all these things. Some just to show off. Like music. I was never a music person. But when you are in, you want to show off, you also listen to these things. But one day I walked away from it all. It didn't take much. Just walked away from it all. We don't walk away and then we want to walk with God. And we are not able to agree with God. Because scripture says in Amos 3.3, 3, can two walk together unless they are agreed? And here this mountain of unbelief. Mountain of unbelief. It's your call, not my call. Mark 4.19 The cares of this world, the deceitful of riches, the desires for other things, entering in. How does it enter in? Tell me, how does it enter in? You go to a shopping mall, you see a thousand things which you don't need ever in your life. You end up buying 50. At the end of the month, you don't have money. And you come with all this stuff I have entered in. And a little later, you find this is damaged. That is, you are now miserable. You are angry with everybody. It didn't come in through into your house unless Amazon delivered you. That is a new way. Pandemic also, Amazon is willing to deliver. And if you cannot come into your house, you will throw it over the gate. That's what scripture says. It entered. The problem is not that it entered in. The problem is it choked the word. That's where the destruction lies. It entered in and it choked the word. Now you are staggering with unbelief. And you are crying out to God. Lord help my unbelief. God will say will you separate? Will you come out? Withdraw and get into your prayer closet. I will speak to you. I am not a respecter of persons. My promises stand forever. Any man, woman or child who seeks me with all your heart, might and strength will find me. And I will be known of him. You talk about fellowship? Let me tell you. Without even checking your resume, I can almost tell you that for most of you, your best friends are unbelievers. Though Bible says, do not be yoked with unbelievers. Separate. The problem is not with them. The problem is what you have to compromise to, listen, to sit in their company and listen to their conversation. Think about me sitting with five people in the, and having uh, a game. Fora from the world, me. Okay, we shall list the top five movies of 2020. I don't know. 2019, I don't know the name of one. 2018, I don't know. 2017, I don't know. 2016, I don't know. I don't even know the names of the actors now. I stopped in 1990 with Amitabh Bachchan. I know he's still alive. You think watching this doesn't take your faith away? Watching this is not ideas and situations that is acceptable, which is not acceptable to the word of God. Do you think it is not choking the word of God? In 2 Timothy 2, 4, you know what God told? Through Paul to his young disciple, Timothy, preach, uh-oh, no, 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 not for two, uh, not preach. 
two two, not four two two two. Ah, uh, sorry, two four. It was two four. No one encased in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Let's put an IV for our children. Our children are sitting here who don't know King James's English. I was born in 1611. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. This is the difference with the good and the pleasing. Anyone who has put his hand on the plow and said, Lord, here I am, use me, does not want to get into, in, get into the world. Because he has only one agenda in his life. How do I please my CEO? How do I please my CEO? That's the key. We look for shortcuts. Only problem, there are no shortcuts. Then quickly, there is the third one. We looked at two, right? What are the first one? Ignorance. Second one? We don't separate from the world. The world has got it. We have knowledge, but it is the knowledge of the world. We don't have the knowledge of God. The census has overpowered us. We have heard the reports of all the ten spies. Yes. What is that? There are giants in that land. And we are like grasshoppers before them. Go on, finished. Finished. Ten giants. No, you can put them. Fox, CNN, MSNBC, all ten giants reported. Biden has won. Half the church is gone. Oof. Get in and pray. It's not over yet. When God says it's over, it's over. Even if Biden is finally put over there in the prayer closet, you will know God better and understand God better. Time in the prayer closet is never a waste. It's the most profitable endeavor you can do on planet Earth before he takes you there and then you don't have to pray ever. You are in his presence. Pray at least now. So when you stand before God, you can at least say, Lord, I, was, I prayed. All these giants are out there with their reports. And then we come and sing, whose report will I believe? The most difficult in a church is not the first two. It is the third one. Genesis 1.1, Hebrews 11.3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And by faith, we understand the worlds are framed by the word of God, that the things which are seen were not made by things which are visible. Write that and see if you'll get marks in your science exam. You go to school, the education for which we pay through our nose, they teach you everything contrary to the word of God. Not creation, evolution. Gender, sexuality, marriage, relationships, home, everything is tossed out of the window. So now what do we have? Wrong knowledge. Now the problem is, let me tell you, let me explain to you how to explain. Now you have this frame on. You can read this, right? Now we have another overhead projector over here. Supposing I project something else on it. Will you be able to read both together? You will have to shut one off, right? That's the problem. We have valued secular education so much. Now we realize secular education was a myth. There was nothing secular about it. Let me give you another example, which is more pertinent. 1 Corinthians 13, 8 to 10. 
and Hebrews 11.14. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. And when that is perfect has come, then which is in part will be done away. So according to one whole school of thought in Christendom, perfect has come. This is all part of it. If this is all gone, what is left? Where do you believe in the miraculous power of God? All this is gone, right? This is called secessionist. This is what you don't believe. It's all, all ended. So you're sitting in the church of God. You are being taught that you need to fight powers of darkness. They are trying to take over the souls of nations and your sons and your daughters. And they're telling all this has passed away. When the first thing he says, you shall cast out demons. You know what? Their kingdom is a kingdom of talk without power. Because they took this when the perfect has come. Has the perfect come? No. It hasn't come. In the twinkling of an eye, we'll be made perfect. Hebrews 11.40. All the ones who died before us, till today. What is happening? God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Everything in creation is waiting for perfection because the moment the trumpet is blown, perfection comes. Till then we need the entire power of God available now. And there is this huge church cancels everything out. And how do you fight this battle? How do you fight this battle? Secular education, education inside the church is all aimed at taking your faith away. Yet the kingdom of God, can it be preached differently? Go and preach the kingdom of God, the gospel of the kingdom of God. Heal the sick, cast out the demons, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. It never changes until Christ comes. The power of God has been taken away. And a mountain of unbelief has been built with our money. You paid to build it. This is our problem. So there are three groups. The ignorant. Isaiah 5 and verse 13. Thirteen, thirteen. That's twelve. Quickly, we're running out of time. Therefore, my people have gone into captivity because they have no. The first one is we do not have the knowledge of God, and we have gone into captivity. You see this? I, I cannot verbatim quote it. A great writer said, "One, your handcuffs, you know, handcuffs. Whether your handcuffs are made of iron or they're made of velvet, they still restrain you." That is how the enemy has, through beautiful education from UCLA and Princeton and Harvard and Oxford, put velvet bracelets on our hands and took us into captivity. Laka, it threw this out. Like I kept saying, go to every great university in the world, Oxford down to Harvard. Every university was started, has seminaries to train the sons and daughters of men to preach the word of God. Today you cannot have the word of God there. So we have the ignorant. They have PhDs after their names, but ignorant about the knowledge of God. The second, Romans 8, 6. No, 6, uh, not 16. 
just before that. Give me a second. The carnal mind is at enmity with God. Got it? Six, six, six. For to be carnally minded is? Have to read it. To be worldly minded is what? Death. It's death. God is not saying you will die. He says you are already dead. You are already dead. Even sitting in church you are already dead. Do you know what the prodigal son's father said when the son came back and the elder brother was upset? He said my son was dead. How did he die? He thought he was having a gala time. But his father said he was dead. Why? Because he went to the world. He's dead. Going into the world doesn't cause death. Being part of the world causes death. Because the world, if your spiritual eyes were open, is a stinking corpse. And you're feeding on maggots. And you call it shopping. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful. Carnal mind is death. But to be spiritually minded is life. It's life and peace. And the third one, wrong knowledge, James chapter 3, 13 to 15. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct his word. Works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above. It is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Let me give you a simple example. I just, for, just for 30 seconds I saw. Okay? There are crowds on the streets of New York and California and all celebrating, not celebrating Biden's victory, celebrating Trump's defeat according to the news media. But you just have to listen to them. And you know, these are all kids from Ivy League universities. You have to see them, the way they are dressed, the placards they use, and the filth that comes out of their mouth. And you need to see that celebration is demonic or not. Just listen to what they say. The words can be never uttered, even in a normal company what they say. And you need to ask, why do they hate their president so much? What did they do? What did he do that you dislike so much? What did he do? It, it can't be his tweets because the words you use, he never speaks. Because he's pro-life. Because he's pro-life. Because he's pro-worship. Because he's pro-free speech. So you, your reaction is demonic. This is not celebration of human beings. This is a celebration of demons in human beings. And the church has the strength to fight this? No. Where is the strength? You find that strength in the prayer closet. One man. God said I'd look for one man. Would stand in the bridge. One man. So there's only one solution. <laughs> There are no two solutions, only one solution. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Everybody knows. Offer your. Read it for me loudly, all of you together. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present what? Lord, I present my five senses on the altar. I will not go by what I see or what I hear. I will go by what? You speak. I will not be conformed to the world. I will draw from the world. I will go when I have to go. But I will never be part of the world. I will not be part of the world. I am not of the world. I am of above. I will renew my mind continuously by the word and by your spirit. And I will speak 
and I will believe what you say. What you say. There's no other solution. No other solution. There's only one solution God says. I will live and die by this book. By this book. That's why David was birthed. You know why David was birthed? Because a woman whose nation was called the washpot of the world by God, a young Moabite widow made that commitment. I go where you go. I live where you live. Your God, my God. Where you die, I die. I cut off ties with my life and my world. I leave it behind. Today, whether the people accept or not, I identify completely with the God of Israel. And she is the grandmother of King David. That's what God is talking about. Nothing else. You have to make these choices. You have to make these steps. Three verses and we shall stop. Just verses. Hebrews 3. Beware, brethren. Verse 12. Let there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. What does it do? You depart from the living. The next one. So we see they could not enter in because of nothing else. They could not enter into because of and 4, 10 and 11. For he that is entered into his rest, that God's rest, has also ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest lest any man fall after the same example of the only way you can enter into that rest is by faith. By faith. By faith. You getting it? Because you have heard. You have heard. And you are at rest. You are at rest. You know why we are restless? Because we haven't heard. I haven't heard. Trump is lost. Let God say, I'll stop praying. I'll start eating. I haven't heard yet. The minute he says, I'm good. I'm good. You know? God looks at Abraham and says, Sarah shall bear your seed, and through that seed, nation shall be born. Shall be blessed. Cool. I said, come. Where are we going? Up the mountain. You guys stay here, okay? Where? Father, uh, the fire is here. The wood is here. Where is the lamb? God will provide. You know what Hebrew says? Even if he died, he knew would raise him from the dead. Because he had rest, because he had a promise, he had heard, this is the boy through which nations are going to be blessed. He cannot die. Even if I kill him, God will raise him back. That is the rest God is talking about. You know why we are restless? Because we do not hear. And then what happens? All our energy is gone. We are flaying like the drowning man over all the things which God says, that's in my hand, why are you bothered about it? Why are you bothered about it? Whether you're young or old, it does not matter. The solution is the same. This huge mountain of unbelief. And that unbelief, if it is very strong, can be only cast away by fasting and prayer. You withdraw and you advance into God's presence. Amen? Let us stand up. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you, Lord. You said, Lord, when you walked on earth 2,000 years ago, 
all those who are weary and heavy laden, come to me. I will give you rest. You said, take my yoke upon yourself. My burden is light. My yoke is not heavy. And I will give you rest for my for your soul. Only the walk of faith can give us rest. Only the walk of faith will keep us enduring till the very end. There is no other way. There is only one way God has given for mankind to walk with him. The walk of faith. That we hear you, we believe you, we trust you, we obey you, and we walk with you. Not what the world tries to say through our senses. If it doesn't agree with the word of God, we reject it. We ignore it. We put it aside. We destroy it in our minds. We do not allow the enemy to occupy our minds. Many standing here have been in this condition for very long. You are asking them as you ask that father. How long has your child been like this? How long? Now it is in your mind. You have, you have accepted your situation. You are now comfortable with it. And you are already making preparations according to your issue, not according to the word of God. Jesus says, I haven't changed. My word hasn't changed. Even if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can handle it. It will be over. It will be done. You have to believe. You have to get into my presence. You have to sit with my word. You have to hear from me. You cannot hear from somebody else. You have to hear from me. And once you have heard from me, stand on it. It will come to pass. Devil will try to make the situation worse. He will throw the child down. He will flay and foam at the mouth. Don't worry. People will come and say, don't trouble the master. Your daughter is dead. Ignore it. If I am with you and I'm walking with you, there is always life. For I am life. If you think it is dead, I am the resurrection. Father, I take authority in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I command every spirit of unbelief, every spirit of infirmity, to leave your people in Jesus' name. A command, I speak not about the mountain. I speak to that mountain. Be moved in Jesus' name. Let your children enter into their prayer closet believing we serve a God who speaks. A God who speaks to his children. Trust their ears with your precious blood, O Lord, that they may hear. Anoint their eyes with your balm, O Lord, they will enter and see into your spiritual realm, Lord. Cleanse their tongue with fire, O God, that they will speak with the power and the authority that God's word gives us. Let them lift up feeble hands. Let their feeble knees be strengthened. Let them not tire sitting in your presence. That's the greatest honor 
we can have a Lord. Meet them at their point of need. When you walked on earth, you refused no one. You are the same God. Still refuse no one. Let them encounter you, Lord. Daily. Let them learn to walk with you, Lord. Help us. None of us, not even I, I'm satisfied with my walk. Because I know there is much more to this than anything I have experienced. Because when I look into your word and I see what each person went through, I know, Lord, there are greater things in store for your children. And we are expectantly waiting, Lord. And I pray during this season, our prayer life will be radically changed, O Lord. Our word life will be radically changed, O Lord. Touch our youth, Lord. Touch them. Let them put away their cell phones. Put away their implements, Lord. Electronic gadgets which they use to sin. Let them not abuse their bodies, O God. I command every spirit of addiction, every unclean spirit to leave the bodies of God's people now in Jesus' name. And I seal those openings with the blood of Jesus. Touch their bodies, O Lord, that they will not allow anything to enter. Let them be sick in their guts if they try, O Lord. Let them know their body is the temple of the living God. Set apart for a holy use. That they will offer the instruments of their body as instruments of righteousness, O Lord. That they themselves will be like Elijah on Mount Carmel. Entire body, an instrument of righteousness that brings showers of blessing upon Israel, O God. One man, one man alone between heaven and earth. Touch your people. Touch your people. For it is not over until you say it is over. Whether it is for a nation or whether it is for an individual, it is not over. Elijah prayed, let me die, for I am no better than my fathers. God looked at him and said, go back the way you came. It is not over until I tell you over. Go away the way you came. And anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, and Azael, and Jehu. They will complete the work. It was not over. It is not over until you say it is over. We will fight this good fight of faith. We will run this race and we will keep this faith. Thank you, thank you, Father. Bless your children, protect your children, cover your children, keep your children. Thank you, Lord, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen and amen.